Today we're talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We're kind of in this series. We're not kind of in this series. We're in a series called Uncommon. And we're looking at common people who did uncommon things. And so basically a lot of this is, hey, let's revisit some of the stories we learned when we were kids and let's see if it applies to us even today. And so the question of the day is this. Does my faith make a difference in my everyday life? Now, at one time, our country, even when I was younger, much younger, uh, our country had sort of a a collective Judeo-Christian ethic. We all kind of went the same direction, or at least most of the country was going the same direction, as far as beliefs and that kind of thing. Today, I've lived long enough to see that change, and so now we're sort of going against the flow. If you're a follower of Jesus, a lot of the flow has gone the different direction, and so we have to figure out how do we live our faith, and what does it look like? And it reminds me of a story, it reminds me of a, actually what happened to me when I was in elementary school. I went to Tolliver School in Danville, Kentucky, and we played um, during uh, PE, we would play something called battle ball. It's, it, you all know it as dodgeball. We called it battle ball. That seemed, you know, kind of cooler to call it battle ball. And, and it's this Darwinian game of survival of the fittest, and you pick teams, and and there was always a guy, and it looks like this, by the way. There was always a guy uh, on the other team named, um, uh, or a guy that everybody wanted on their team was named Ernie Johnson. Ernie was tall and skinny, and in dodgeball, skinny is really good. Uh, you want, you know, le- the less surface space, the better. And uh, Ernie could throw the ball about 100 miles an hour. I mean, I've never seen anybody throw it like that. You know, when you're a kid, it's like it seems faster, I'm sure. And, and if you've ever gotten pegged with a ball, a rubber ball at 100 miles an hour, you, re- you remember it. And everybody wanted Ernie on his team, but I didn't. Not because I didn't like Ernie. In fact, I consider Ernie, even today, a friend. I saw him uh, a while back, and um, I always, always liked him. But he was the best. And I always considered myself, like, almost as good as Ernie. And you all don't know any better, so I was almost as good as Ernie. <laughs> almost as good. And I wanted to see if I could beat the guy that was the best. Because, you know what, if, if Ernie's on your team and you win, it's like, eh, okay. But if Ernie's not on your team and you win, well, then it was something. And I kind of liked the challenge. I liked Ernie. I liked the challenge more. And so we're going to talk about what, what does it look like to live in a world where not everybody agrees with you about what you believe and, and um, uh, how you live your life. What does it look like? So we're going to go back to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We're going to call them Rakshak and Benny because that's a little easier and let me give you sort of a, a, a backstory to these guys. 600, about 605 B.C., um, if you don't know what that means, that's uh, before uh, uh, Christ, uh, 605 B.C., so it was about 2,600 years ago, um, there's a guy named Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar. Um, if you're about to have a child, that's a name you could consider, uh, Nebuchadnezzar. And um, he uh, is Babylonian, and they uh, invade Israel, and they take over Israel. And as was the practice in those days, they would come in and occupy a, a, a land, and they would take the very best people of the land and bring them back with them to serve in the government uh, in the country that was the invading country. And that's, what we find, that's where we find ourselves in Daniel 1. Among those who were chosen uh, from, were from Ju- Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief officials gave them new names. To Daniel, they named him Belshazzar. 
To Hananiah, they called him Shadrach. To Mishael, they called Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. And it's interesting to understand these boys, who they were. Um, Daniel, his name means God is my judge. Hananiah means God is gracious to me. Uh, Mishael means God, uh, who is like God. Azariah means God is my help. These guys were of the tribe of Judah. That's kind of a prominent tribe in, in uh, Judaism. Um, they were incredibly uh, well-educated. Uh, they were super smart. Uh, these were the best of the best and, but, they, but they were followers of God. It's really important to get this. They weren't just really smart, but they were also really devoted. And the king likes them. Nebuchadnezzar likes them. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they entered the king's service. Okay, time out just for a second. So these are foreigners who are captive brought to Babylon, and now they, they get a, a, pl- a place of prominence in the government in Babylon. Uh, in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better. Uh, this is hyperbole. Uh, this, this, it doesn't mean that their IQ was 150 and everybody else's was 15. I mean, that's not what it means. It just means that they were better than everybody, kind of uh, markedly better than everybody else. It's like when you say, I've got a million things to do. Well, no, you don't. But you've got a lot of stuff to do. Or, I'm hungry enough to eat a horse. Well, not really, but this is like that. So he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in the whole kingdom. Now, if you're going to be captured and exiled to a new place, these guys had it pretty good. I mean, the king liked them. The king, number one, the king knew them. King liked them. The king promoted them. They were kind of sitting in a good place. I mean, to be to be captives, it's about as best about the best you could do. And in fact, they were probably doing better than most people in the kingdom. I mean, you're going to have a regular diet. Uh, you're going to have regular, uh, really, really good uh, uh, food, uh, shelter. I mean, they're going to really be provided for because they're in the in the government. Now. King Nebuchadnezzar, we find in Daniel chapter 1, he packs his bags and he goes on an ego trip and he builds this statue. There's a debate about it. Was the statue of himself or was the statue of one of his gods? It's a debate. I think it was probably of himself. And this is what it looked like. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 90 feet high and 9 feet wide. So if it was of him, it wasn't to scale. You know, that's kind of interesting. And unless he was one really, really tall dude. But anyway, uh, and, they, and he set it up in the plain of Dura. Now, it makes sense to me that this was an image of himself uh, because he asks the, the people of his country to worship it. Now, it could have been one of his gods. I get that. But uh, you get the idea of, around Nebuchadnezzar. He was sort of full of himself. Um, he he kind of liked himself a lot. He was the kind of guy that when he prayed, he said, "God, do you need anything?" Uh, so he's that kind of guy. You know, he's really kind of uh, and full of. And he, and, he, and he comes up with a plan. Now, it was important to note that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were all God fearing. Uh, you know, Jewish people they believe in one God, and so uh, they believe in our God, and so uh, they uh, were devoted to him. Now, when, when they came to the kingdom, there was this idea. The, the king said, I want you to eat from my table. And 
these guys said, well, we don't want to do that. Can we eat just vegetables and, and water and that kind of thing? And, and so they let them, and then they, they stayed healthy, and so it was okay. But they early on made some defining lines. They would do certain things. They, they would be part of the kingdom. But there was, there was a certain line that they would not cross. And now King Nebuchadnezzar asks them to cross the line. Look at what he says. He then summoned all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image, this image in Dura that he had set up. And then the herald, this was the guy who was going to tell everybody what to do, loudly proclaimed, This is what you are commanded to do, O peoples, nations, and men of every language. So Israel wasn't the only land they'd captured. Babylon was really powerful and they'd captured lots of people. So lots of people from lots of diverse places were there. As soon as you hear, you people of every language, as soon as you hear the sound, you must fall down. Sounds like Johnny Cochran, you know, a little bit, you know, uh, you hear the sound, you must fall down. It's great, I like that. Um, and worship the image of God, uh, I'm sorry, of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into the blazing furnace. So the idea is you bow or you burn. You knelt or you melt. I mean, it's kind of uh, the whole deal here. And, and so, I made those up, by the way. That's really, good, really, really good. Now, the idea is this. If you are a non-worshipper, you become a non-aliver. Uh, you know, it's like, uh, you, you don't have to worship, but then you die. So that's kind of how it goes. And it brings us to a couple of life lessons that we need to learn from Rackshack and Benny. The first one is conviction often ignites conflict. Uh, here's what happens. The guys that got passed over for the positions that Rackshack and Benny take on, well, they, they tattle. <laughs> uh, they go to the king and they tell on the Jew boys, the Jewish boys. And they, they say, there are some Jews who you put in charge of the province of Babylon, Rackshack and Benny, who are disobeying your majesty's orders. They do not worship your God or bow down to the statue uh, you set up. Uh, it's none of our business. <laughs> but we're going to tell you anyway. We're going to tell you anyway. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are about to face a quandary that we face all the time. Because daily, uh, nearly, we're put in a position to make the right choice or not make the right choice. We're... we're we're challenged if we're going to compromise our beliefs or not. It happens all the time. It, it could be your boss has a sales quota, and he says, do whatever it takes to make the sales quota. And I don't know if you've ever met people like that, but I've met people like that who don't actually tell you the truth. Maybe you're a student, and, and everybody else has seen a video, and you hear that it's not appropriate and has some content that really wouldn't be pleasing to God, and everybody's asking you if you've seen it, what are you going to do? I mean, how do you just stand up to that? Maybe it's uh, you're at work and you're around the water cooler and they start telling a joke and it's inappropriate. Do you walk away? Do you say something? Do you stand and participate? We are all challenged to compromise. It just happens all the time. There was a pastor named Louis Giglio, Giglio uh, who's in Atlanta, and he was going to pray uh, at the inauguration of Barack Obama. And when uh, they found out he was going to pray, then they started looking at some of his sermons. Uh, some people did, and they started to complain. We live in this culture, we call it cancel culture, where if somebody finds something you did a long time ago, or even currently, you just get canceled. And so he just got canceled. And these verbal assassins 
are out there. And once you take a stand, like Rack, Shack, and Benny, there are going to be people who don't like it and who, <laughs> these palace plotters in his case, they decide they're going to say something. And Nebuchadnezzar doesn't take it well. Furious with rage. That's like, wow. Uh, two words, uh, really important. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summons Rack, Shack, and Benny. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Rakshak and Benny, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I've set up? Really interesting. If you're the king, most people don't say no to you. It's kind of uncommon. And so he had given an order, and they had disobeyed the order, and it's shocking to him. It's really, really shocking. I think there's irony here. These are the guys he said were ten times better than everybody else. And yet they decide not to do what you said to do. Maybe there's a reason for that. And he gives them another chance. Hey, you guys didn't understand. It's okay, it's cool. Now, when you hear the sound, if you're ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good, but if you do not worship it, you'll be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue from my hand he kind of he kind of tilts his hand on this too <laughs> it's as if he is saying i don't believe my god could rescue me from this so your god isn't going to rescue you from this it's really interesting that he does this now the motivation behind the people who tattled on rack shack and benny it's kind of interesting some people are just like that there's an old joke, and you've probably all heard it, but at the end of this, I need you to laugh just to build up my confidence. So if you do that for me, we're in agreement here, that would be great. Three preachers, it's a preacher joke, it's going to be funny. Uh, three preachers are out fishing one day. No, no, you've got to wait to the end. Wait to the end. I should have stipulated. I could just go on, actually. Uh, Three preachers out in the boat fishing, and they're not having any success. And so they, they decide to talk a little bit. And one of them says to the other two, uh, why don't we spend this time confessing our sins to one another and praying for one another? Why don't we confess our very worst sin to one another and let's confess? He said, I'll start. When I go to the beach and I see beautiful women, I lust. And I, I battle it, but man, it's really difficult for me. And so lust is kind of my, my biggest sin in my life. And the next guy goes, well, okay. I, I like to place bets on the horses. Love the horses. These are Kentucky preachers. Uh, uh, I love to place bets on the horses. And he said, I've been taking some money out of the, the, the offering at church. Nobody knows. And I don't know how I'm going to pay it back and... I've been losing, and I just I feel horrible about it. And the other, they, these two look at the other guy, and he said, well, my biggest sin is gossip, and I can't wait to get to shore. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. All right, so Jesus said good people bring good things out of the good stored in their hearts. We, we talked about this a while back when we looked at the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, etc., that the closer we get to Jesus, the more that stuff comes out. I, I, I feel more gracious. I feel uh, more kind, more loving, that kind of thing. And if I check my temperature on those things, 
I, I, I need to um, see how it's a good indicator how close I am or not close. And I talked about this with the men's group yesterday. Uh, there are opportunities to check your pulse on <laughs> your love, joy, peace, patience. Because life is challenging sometimes. And this week I was, uh, <laughs> I, I needed a new battery for my car. I carried the old battery in. And if you've ever lifted a car battery, they're kind of heavy. And so I was carrying it in and there was nobody there at this particular place. And so I carried it in and set it down in where I knew where they went. I could see there were other old batteries there. And I knew. And so I set it in there and uh, the attendant came around the corner and I said, I need a new battery. I just put my other one in here. And, and she said, you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to show us. It's like, well, I wanted to say, I can't show you if you're not here. Uh, you know, like, and she said, come show me in the bin. It's like, well, it's the one on top. You know, it's like, I, I didn't like adjust them all, you know. You don't have to say everything you think, right? And so I know this. So I was, I, look, you don't have to say everything you think. And so when Jesus says, hey, good people bring good stuff out of the good inside of them. But then he goes on, he says, hey, evil people bring evil things out of the evil inside of them. And so these guys who were tattletales, well, look, they'd been hurt. They'd been uh, gone over in position. Uh, they were perhaps they were Chaldeans and they were perhaps they were bigots toward the Jewish people. There, there's a lot of motivations out there for people to get on your case. And so they. They told, they tattled. And then Nebuchadnezzar, he issues what you could have to consider an ultimatum. Hey, you, you have to bow. The rule is for everybody. You have to bow. Which brings me to the second life lesson, and that is you must own your faith. I was at a conference a couple of weeks ago, and I overheard a couple of Canadian pastors talking about basically civil disobedience. Uh, being willing to go to jail for opening their churches because because of covid uh, Canada is much more restrictive than we are especially in South Carolina uh, they've not allowed gatherings of churches and these guys had to make a decision okay we want to be good citizens we need to be good citizens but at some point, we also have to be obedient that God says, uh, don't neglect meeting together. Where do we strike the balance? It was a very interesting conversation. I wasn't in on the conversation. I mean, I don't have that tr trouble, but I was interested to listen to those guys. And we, we debate these things internally sometimes. How are we going to live our faith? We want to be great citizens in America, but we also, we also have to be true to our faith. Peter put it this way. He said, be careful how you live among your unbelieving neighbors, even if they accuse you of doing wrong. They will see your honorable behavior and they will believe and give honor to God when he comes to judge the world. It's one thing to profess belief. It's something altogether to live it. And I was talking, there was a guy who wrote a, who wrote a book, his name is Mike Erie, he wrote a book called When Guys Need God. And he talks about the need for us to live our faith even when it's difficult. Like, you're in the parking lot and you bump into somebody's car. You're supposed to leave a note. We all know this, but do we all do this? Or maybe the cashier gives you too much change and you get to your car and it's like, oh, I got too much change. Do you go back in? Because you should. 
It's not the cashier's that's her fault but it, or his fault, but you still need to help them. We have to do the right thing. We keep a promise even when it's difficult, even when it costs us money. The Bible says, keep your word even when it hurts. The author Erie talks about keeping your marriage vows even when it's difficult, even when it's strained, even when there's too much nagging and too little intimacy and lots of negativity. You keep your vows because you've committed to do that. We have this challenge in our lives to live our faith. It's one thing to say it, it's something totally different to do it, to be honorable and honest and to live by our convictions. Let's go on with our story. They say to Nebuchadnezzar, and by the way, time out just for a second. Notice how respectful they are. They're not jerks about it. Nebby, we ain't going to do what you want. You know, it's like, uh, you ain't the boss. Uh, none of that. that that's the redneck. Uh, but that's, not, that's not what they say. I like these guys. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he'll rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you set up. What I like about these guys is this. Trying to be a good citizen of their new environment, they're willing to have their names changed. They go by their new names. They're willing to um, serve the government. It's not a government they approve of. certainly isn't the government they want to follow. They're willing to serve. They, I, I guarantee you they did their best in those positions. But when it came to, you got to worship my God, that was the line. I can do some things. I will do some things. I won't do that. I won't do that. I think that was a meatloaf song. Uh, so, uh, I won't do that. I'll do some things... I'll go certain, I'll do certain things, but I'm not going to do that. And what I love about this is they, they don't doubt God's ability, but they don't presume upon His will. They don't doubt His ability. God can do this. We don't know if He will. <laughs> That's a great prayer. I, I, don't, I know God can deliver me. I don't know that He will. And if He doesn't, here's a reason. It's like what Job said this. He said, even if God kills me, I still put my hope in him. Where else are we going to turn? Who else are we going to turn to? I, I, I love the story. Now, one has to be, wonder if they weren't tempted to say to themselves, at least, "Okay, we'll bow on the outside, but on the inside, we're standing up." You know, uh, we'll we'll we know that's not really a god, so we'll we'll kind of we'll act like we're worshiping, but we really won't. We won't really worship. They didn't do that. I do think it's interesting, and I think it probably is kind of cool. They did this together. Rack, Shack, and Benny, they, the three amigos, these guys decide to make this stand together. We are better together. That's why the Bible says, you know, we need to, to worship together. And that's why we have small groups, and that's why we have Christian friends, because we need the encouragement to live the Christian life. Daniel later on is thrown into a lion's den by himself, probably even a greater act of worship. What's really interesting to me is giving the choice between smoking and non-smoking, they chose smoking. Uh, they're really ready to do it. Now, uh, for those of you who aren't as cool as me, I'm going to have to explain this next one to you. But that's the, God's got our six. Y'all know what that means if you cool people. Uh, it means he's got our back. I know I'm trying to bring you up to speed on coolness. Uh, he's got our back. 
And he says, these, these guys say, even if he doesn't do this, we want you to know we're not going to serve your God, even if he doesn't save us. Here's what's really interesting about this. Death is escapable. All they've got to do is bend the knee. It, and, they, and they choose not to. It is an extraordinary devotion that they display. And Nebuchadnezzar was furious with them. And his attitude toward them changed. You see, when the king tries to woo you, you should be wooed. And they were unwooable. It's like the Godfather. He made them an offer they couldn't refuse. And they did. And he just does not take that very well. So, in a little bit of a tantrum, he ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter. Again, hyperbole. You know, it's like, uh, read there, really, really hot. Um, seven times hotter than usual. And commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. And then they're in the furnace. And the story is just amazing. They're thrown in. Now, um, I don't know, maybe you don't see it the way I do. This, this is kind of how I see it. Um, they're tied up, uh, I think probably with ropes. And they're thrown into the furnace. And I don't, if you're thrown in someplace, you probably land on your side or your back or, or something like that. And the story says that the, the bindings burned off, but they weren't burnt. And it says they're walking around in the flames, which is super interesting to me. And then when they come out, they don't even smell like smoke. I can get 25 feet from a, 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 a campfire and I smell like smoke for a week. I, I should bathe, I know. Uh, but still, uh, it's like, golly gee, how do I smell like smoke? They, these guys come out. I just think to myself, if I'm bound... It says the fire was so hot that the guys that threw them into the furnace, they perished because it was so hot. I just imagine how hot it was. And they're thrown into the flames. And I would anticipate, if I'm one of those guys, I'm anticipating the searing heat. I'm anticipating the pain, the smoke inhalation. I'm, I'm, I'm anticipating all that. And then there's, there's none of it. And then it gets even better. Look what happens next. King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement. The word could also be fear. And he asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? <laughs> and when the king asks you a question like that, you agree. You know, it's like, certainly, okay, okay. Well, he said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound, unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. There's a little bit of a debate about who the fourth man in the fire was. Some scholars believe it was an angel. Makes sense. Some scholars believe it was Jesus. A pre-incarnation of Jesus. That does happen occasionally. Uh, makes sense. If they're walking around in the fire, I wonder if they're like having a conversation. Like before the service, we have conversations. You see pockets of people having uh, conversations around things. 
Um, I've got a couple of Cowboys fans in here with me, uh, America's team, uh, God ordained. And uh, so uh, we were out earlier talking about the Cowboys. Uh, the thing we didn't talk about today was Kentucky football. Uh, but we did talk about, you know, uh, what, what were they talking about? <laughs> you know, how's your team look? I, I doubt it's, it's that. Don't you suspect whether this was an angel or Jesus is somewhat inconsequential. It doesn't say, so it must not matter. But I, I suspect in the midst of the fire, whether it be the angel or Jesus, the, it's a representative of God, I, I bet the conversation went something like this. You weren't willing to worship a false god. And now... <laughs> you're able to worship the real God. And I wonder if this messenger from God, whether it be an angel or Jesus, I wonder if he says to them, boys, they're going to be talking about you for a long time. We're going to write this down. There's going to be a church in South Carolina. You don't even know where that is. And 2,600 years from now, there's going to be a really eloquent speaker in that church. <laughs> and he's going to talk about y'all, because that Jesus would have said y'all, uh, and talk about y'all, and you're going to inspire people for hundreds and thousands of years. We never know when we live our faith we never know who that's going to impact these boys didn't say king we're not going to bow down to your god knowing they were going to be written about and talked about 2600 years later it just it wasn't the way that they would have not thought i can't imagine they thought that way they did what was right because it was right and we're called to do what's right because it's right which brings me to my, my last point, and that is sometimes we're delivered in the furnace. We, we like to be delivered from the furnace. Sometimes we're delivered in the furnace. And Nebuchadnezzar approached the opening to the blaze. And can't you imagine? I mean, again, I, I, I kind of think, I just, I'm, I'm a little mischievous. I kind of think he didn't get too close because he saw all those other guys die. Uh, so he kind of yells in from a distance, you know, hey, boys, um, servants of the Most High God, come on out. Come on out. Uh, I'd like to chat with you a little bit. Can I chase the rabbit just for a second? Because I think it's important. <laughs> what are you going to do? Uh, you know, uh, like I, you're a captive audience. Um, when, when Nebuchadnezzar was mad, he asked a question that's really interesting to me. It's the question that's been asked. I mean, in the Garden of Eden, it's the same question. The serpent questioned Eve. Did God really say... Is that really true? He said, is, is it true? You believe that? And it happens to us today. There's a guy named Paul. He wrote much of the New Testament. He goes to a town called Ephesus. In Ephesus, they have a temple to a god, goddess named Artemis. This particular temple, uh, it's kind of a theater, holds 24,000 people. Lots of folks are converting to Christianity. There's a big uproar. Oh, we're going to lose our temple to Artemis. And then there's a clerk. And the clerk says this. 
he, he quiets the crowd and he says, Ephesians, people, doesn't all the world know that the city of Ephesus is the guardian of the temple of the great Artemis and her image which fell from heaven? Therefore, since these facts are undeniable, go about your business. And that's the kind of language that's used. It's undeniable. It's settled science. It's indisputable. Do you still believe that? You, you believe that God created? Like you don't believe evolution? You, do people still believe creation? Is that true? Is it true you still believe in traditional marriage? You still believe that? Like a man and a woman? Forever? That's, that's what you... You still believe that? Is it true? Is it true that you believe that life begins at conception? Is it true? You, people still believe that? And that's the kind... I mean, Nebuchadnezzar, it's no different today. Is it true? And Jesus warned us. He, he said this, I'm sending you out like a sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I'll acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I'll disown him before my Father in heaven. So often we pray for ease, for greater riches, for a more pleasant life, for security. But let me close with this. Here's the challenge. Maybe we should pray, God, give me an opportunity to show my devotion. Maybe we should stop praying for ease and comfort and pleasure. And we should start praying for not only the opportunity to stand up, but the courage to stand on our convictions. I think we'll have those opportunities. Let's pray for the courage. Father, we love You. It's a cool story today that we got to walk through together. Give us, Lord, wisdom to know how best to live in this world today. Help us to not just say we believe, but to act on our belief, even when it's difficult. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.